790 KFGO. It's time for Game On Hockey with Travis Dunn and Scott Taylor on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. Near side, Reese Gaber shoots, scores! Talking all things from the blue line to the red line. A breakaway for Kaprizov. He's in. He shoots, he scores! And beyond. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now here are your hosts, Travis Dunn and Scott Taylor. Uh, from the Nillis Law Firm Studio and broadcasting on the Mighty 790 KFJ and 104.7 FM, we appreciate you joining us each and every Thursday, all hockey season long. My partner, Scott Taylor. Scott, this complete anarchy here, but I have to start here first of all. It is a bit, a bit of a heavy-hearted day here in fighting Siouxland uh, with the passing of Tootsie Gasparini, uh, Gino Gasparini's wife. Uh, more details will come as far as services and things, but she passed away yesterday in Arizona. Uh, uh, Tootsie, not only a hockey mom of 25 hockey players annually, uh, but also taught at Grand Fork Central for, I believe, 40 years. So the people that she has touched in her life, the legacy is a wonderful one. Uh, it's a sad day in Sioux hockey land, and uh, uh, our thoughts and condolences to Gino and his family. It's a tough loss, uh, and Scott, uh, you know what? We have to move forward, but uh, it's still tough for us fighting Sioux guys to, to realize that Tootsie is no longer with us. Yes, um, my sympathies to, to Gino and the family and, and everybody else and, and everybody in Siouxland. Um, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a bad day. Well, makes us all realize one thing: cherish life each day. We're lucky to have it, and uh, who knows? Uh, as as a good friend of mine put it, we're on the back nine of the golf tournament, and uh, who knows what uh, when that tournament will end for any of us. So, uh, I see. Well, first of all, let's put it this way: we we do have the Hercus Circus coming on board with us. The two of them have signed on very very early. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to open the door up and let them in because you know what? We're not going to waste any time. Tony will be on probably about quarter two. Obviously, he takes directions much better than Steve Johnson and Bob Joyce do, but they were so excited they jumped on early. So we're bringing him in, part of the Hercus Circus at least. And with that, we'll welcome Bob Joyce and we welcome Steve Johnson. Greetings, gentlemen. Hi, Travis. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having us today. Your turn, Steve. Thanks, hey, Steve. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. You, you know, one thing, guys, <clears throat> just to explain, uh, we had Bernie Perrant on a few months, about a month or so ago, uh, and uh, and uh, Scott got really, really giddy and excited having, you know, Bernie come on. And now when I told him Bob Joyce is going to be on, he got even more giddy because they go back a long way, Steve. So I'm going to let Steve and Scott start this whole show off. Go ahead, my friend. Um, yeah, I want I want to know more about Steve because because I see yeah. his Humboldt Broncos jersey in the background. Um, what have you been up to in the last little while? And uh, and that Hawks and Broncos jersey in the background um, intrigues me. Uh, my uh, youngest son Max uh, <clears throat> played in Humboldt uh, a couple years ago, yeah. so one one year after the tragic uh, accident, so he uh, was traded from the. Calgary Canucks to the uh, Humboldt Broncos, so he uh, enjoyed his time up there. How did he? How did he enjoy that experience a year after that that accident? Because we talk about the bus so often, and and for Canadians, it was devastating right across the country because everybody takes the bus at some level, and if they play hockey or any sport, they're they're on the bus. Yeah, he uh, he lived in a house where uh, two of the two of the boys who passed uh, had lived, and uh, so it was uh, certainly. Uh, some uncomfortable times, I'm sure, at, at some point, but uh, he really enjoyed his experience there. That community certainly came together and and 
very supportive of everything that they do up there. And ironically, I ran into Mark Chipman the first night I was up there watching one of his games. Uh, Mark was actually at the game and uh, he's part of a foundation there. I, I'm not sure what the name of it is, but I think he kind of oversees uh, one of the foundations and some of the money that came in after that accident. Yes. And a lot of money did come in. So what's your son doing now? Is he still playing? I've got one son in uh, uh, Hamlin University in St. Paul. And then uh, my son, uh, Luke, actually, he's with the Jets. Luke Johnson is uh, my older son. So. Oh, okay. Well, we've had, we've had Luke on the show. Yeah, he was, uh, he's, he's been in, he, he broke his foot twice. So it's been a rough, uh, a rough little bit here, but uh, he got a plate put in it the second time. And uh, I think he's a couple weeks away, but he's feeling good. So he, uh, I think he, he, he's only played about 11 games with the Moose so far at this point. Well, the unfortunate part about, about that whole situation is that during this whole COVID mess, he was on the verge of having an opportunity to play for the Jets and, and, and more than once or twice. He had an opportunity to really get an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I think he was, he was probably, I think he had points in six straight games when he came back. So he was, uh, you know, the on ice stuff was going pretty good for him. And, and uh, uh, you know, I think probably came back a little early, he had a little pain. Uh, you know, he never really did, did get rid of the pain. And he, the good part is he said, uh, as soon as he had the surgery after the second time he re-injured it, it felt great. So he's uh, optimistic about that. Outstanding. Bob Joyce, I haven't seen you in a long, long time, but we used to talk um, quite often yep. back in the day when, when you were in Winnipeg. Um, and, and then when you got into your National Hockey League career, mm -hmm. uh, I understand that you uh, decided to stay in Florida and fly airplanes. Yeah, I came down here back in the mid-90s to uh, play for the original Solar Bears in the IHL and played a couple of years here, then a few years in Germany, retired. And, and my dad was a pilot. My dad's still in Winnipeg. Um, he was a pilot. So I was around little airplanes my whole life and thought about being an airline pilot when I retired. And, and, uh, but then realized I didn't want to travel anymore. My wife was pregnant with our son, who's now a freshman at Embry-Riddle, uh, soccer player. And, um, I just, I wanted, I enjoyed the flight training world. So it's just coaching. It's just a different game. But um, so I ended up staying in, in flight training and been here ever since. The voices you're hearing, I'm, Scott, let me, let me interject here. You, you are listening. You're getting excited. Not just that. We're going to tell everybody, well, you're listening to 790 KFGO and 104.7 FM out of Fargo, North Dakota. Steve Johnson, as, as well as uh, Bobby Joyce have joined us. Tony Herkus will be joining us uh, shortly to, to fill out the Herkus Circus. But until that point, we're talking with uh, what these guys are doing today. And we'll carry on that conversation with Scott and, uh, and Bobby Joyce. So you, you got into the business of teaching um, pilots. Yeah, I became a flight instructor with the intent of you know, building some time and going to the airline. Uh, but when I got ready to jump to the airlines, I just realized, in fact, my wife was pregnant with our son, who's now 18. I just, we were moving some little airplanes up the East Coast where the, the flight school that I worked for and I, we got weathered in in North Carolina and ran into a former instructor of ours working for an airline and saw her with her crew. And I just looked around the hotel lobby and I thought, how many times have I stood around a hotel lobby with a bunch of dudes waiting for a key to a room? And I just realized they don't want to travel anymore. So I took a full-time position at the flight school. I, I trained and worked at for a long time. And then, uh, um, now up at Amber Riddle um, Aeronautical University in Daytona. Are you still coaching? You were involved with coaching the Emory Riddle hockey team. Are you still involved with that program? Yep, we're in our sixth season together. So uh, the volunteer job keeps me pretty busy, <laughs> uh, but it's fun. Um, Steve coaches a little bit higher level than where we are, but uh, you know you do it for the kids. They're they're good kids, and and we have a lot of fun. Well, and we'll we'll transition right back over to Steve Johnson. Steve Johnson, how's that University of Minnesota Crookston hockey program developing now that? 
COVID is a little bit in the rearview mirror and you've got on the ice. Yeah, it's been, it's been real good. We, uh, Obviously, uh, started the program last year. They, I think, two thousand four was the last year that Minnesota Crooks didn't um, had their program going, and it was a pretty, uh, a pretty solid program. Scott Oliver, another Winnipeg guy who uh, coached there for several years, and and uh, there was a lot of local kids that uh, you know maybe weren't as good, uh, good enough to play in the USHL or, or obviously go Division One, but Crookston was a good avenue for him, and and uh, so last year we. we the program started again. They ended up dropping their football program to make room for a hockey program again. And, and uh, obviously last year was, was a tough year. We ended up getting about 14 games in last year. And then this year, I think we're, we're, we're approaching, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get about 30 games this year. So it's been good. Had a good, uh, good season so far. And we've got four games left. Now, is it a full-time experience for you? I know Bob's the, the volunteer, but this is your job, right? Yeah, I was, I was in coaching many years. I was in USHL for 15 years and uh, coached in the NCHC at St. Cloud and, and Omaha with Dean Blazer. And, and I came back to Grand Forks for, I think it was six years. And just, I, I ran the, uh, I was the director of the youth hockey program in town and uh, a friend of mine uh, brought me to speed with what Crookson was going to do and asked if I'd be interested in doing that. And, and uh, so now I'm a, I went from uh, being a North Dakota fighting suit to uh wearing maroon and gold and Minnesota school. So, uh, but uh, it's been a good, good transition. It's, it's pretty, uh, it's not a high stress, uh, win at all costs type of uh, league that uh, some of them have been that yeah. have been in, but uh, I've really enjoyed it. Kids are fun and, and it's fun to be back coaching. Well, before Tony Herkus joins us, uh, we'll think what we'll do is we'll do this for a couple more minutes, take a break. And then Tony will be joining us. He's the one who probably will listen. It was five forty-five, but that's okay. You guys are here. We're going to continue, continue on. Steve, you were really the first guy in Grand Forks that really went North of the border. Explain how that happened. I, I met you, you were, would have been a senior at Grand Forks central. You made the decision to go to play in Alberta and play in the Alberta junior league before you came back to play at UND. Really one of the first guys to do that. Explain how that whole thing happened. Well, it was, I was kind of a rink rat and I used to try to sneak in the back Zamboni door and get some free ice at the old winter sports building. And my, uh, you know, my favorite player, I think of all time was Troy Murray. And I think a couple of times I'd be on the ice. And I think one day Troy Murray had said to me, he says, you know, if you ever want to get out of here and play junior hockey, you know, let me know. Well, ironically at that time, uh, Brad Berry and Mel Parks, and uh, I think there's four guys coming from you and are from St. Albert to uh, university at that point. And uh, so once Troy brought that up, that, hey, I've got an opportunity if, uh, if you want to go play junior hockey in St. Albert. Uh, went home and told my mom, I think I'm going to St. Albert. She said, uh, I don't think you are. And, uh, <laughs> so it was quite the process, but but uh, it worked out great. I, I love the experience. And Bob, correct me, I, you came with that first, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, I was there with you. And what I knew of, what you needed to get in university. I was coming from Notre Dame and Wilcox and I didn't, some of my credits didn't transfer to Alberta. So I thought I needed all these classes to get into school. So I went back to Notre Dame, but turns out I probably didn't need them, but uh, yeah, no, it was fun. It was tough to leave because Steve and I were already good friends, you know? And by the way, Grand Forks Central went on to win the state championship that year. Steve would have probably made that team go undefeated. Did lose two games that year, but a pretty good group, including Paul Markovich, uh, Paul Markovich today, and I think I know Steve probably knows this as well as anyone else, is the CEO of Blue Shield of California, one of the largest entities in the United States, uh, a Rhodes Scholar, the first and only WCHA Rhodes Scholar 
in history. Uh, just a great defenseman. But uh, you would have been pretty good on that team. A team, I think, went, what, 22-2 and two or something, Steve. So maybe 24-0 yeah. no if you'd have stayed. I think they, they lost one game that year. And it was actually, if I, my memory's not great, but the, the, the game they lost was to Crookston High School. And Mike Hastings was the cap, the captain of the Crooks at high school at that time. And they, uh, Mark Lijeski and uh, Tom Canati, Bob, remember some of those names, and yeah. Monty French. Oh, boy. So that was the, the one team that beat them. They beat Rozo, who had Paul Broughton. And I think Rozo went on, was maybe runner-up in the Minnesota State Tournament. Boy, that I was assistant coach, and I forgot all about that stuff. Boy, you, you've got a better memory than I have, and I was <laughs> there doing it that time. But that's uh, obviously what 40s number long in the 40s uh, back in that in that day what we're gonna do is this guys it's now 5:43. we'll take a quick break i anticipate tony herkus will join us in about oh about a minute or two and then he'll be on here in the screen we're going to talk about this whole herkus circus thing how you all converged in 1986-87 in grand forks and created a heck of a lot of history with scott taylor i'm travis dunn that's bob joyce that's steve johnson stay tuned hang around with us for a while this is a lot of fun you guys i'm I'm having a heck of a lot of fun on a Thursday night. This is Game on Hockey on the Mighty 790 KFJ on 104.7 FM. From the Nillis Law Firm Studio and broadcasting on KFGO and 104.7 FM, this is Game on Hockey with Scott Taylor. I'm Travis Dunn. Each and every Thursday night, it's uh, been running 5.30 to 6.30 for a long time now because of UND men's basketball, which... Stay tuned immediately after. There'll be a basketball game against Kansas City. And, of course, tomorrow night, University of North Dakota men's hockey versus University of Minnesota Duluth. I believe there's a time change in there because it's going to CBS Sports Network. But uh, regardless, you can catch Tim Hennessy on the call tomorrow evening. Uh, this is uh, a, a sponsored segment. Uh, you know, each segment sponsored by somebody. Well, in this case, I know Steve Johnson knows these guys really well. The Golf Center in Grand Forks. Steve has spent a lot of money there, I'm sure, with his kids playing golf. I know I've spent my share of it there. Golf Center in Grand Forks been in business for 35 years. You know, golf equipment's not inexpensive. And I'm going to tell you my personal story. A couple of years ago, I was trying to upgrade from those whole blades that I couldn't hit very well. Uh, and I went into the golf center uh, looking for, you know, an upgrade. They had a great selection of used clubs. And I got a brand new set, basically a brand new set of eight Titleist AP2s for a, a fraction of the cost that it would if I would have purchased brand new. And they were two degrees upright and one inch long. For the six foot four guy, it worked out very nicely. So they've got a great selection. Guys trade stuff in, whether it be drivers, three woods, five woods, putters. Uh, you can get a great selection at very, very cost effective way to do it. And it's all top notch stuff. They'll be cleaned up and made to look brand new uh, by the staff at the Golf Center in Grand Forks. 3001 South Columbia Road in Grand Forks or call 701 775 0019. Brian Leach or Nate, they'll take care of you. The Golf Center. Uh, they take care of us as well. So I'll be up there pretty soon once the grass starts to turn green and um, maybe pick up a few golf balls and a golf club. One thing that I know uh, Bob Joyce is not used to, Bob, we're under a blizzard warning. So you remember what that is, right? What's the what's oh, yeah. the definition of a blizzard, my friend? You're you're an aeronautical engineer. In, uh, ice cream thing from Dairy Queen, isn't it? <laughs> Well, that's pretty close. It's it's a it's just wind. We're not getting much snow, but up to sixty mile an hour winds. Could you land an airplane in that? Do you think? Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> I'm not. Never want to try. And, yeah. with, and with that, we open the door, and Tony Herkus, uh, the guy that paid attention, at, at exactly five forty five, he signed in. The other two guys are too excited; they jumped on. But we we have Tony Herkus, the the namesake of this line, the Herkus Circus has been reunited. And with that, Scott Taylor, you go ahead and ask some questions, my friend. Well, tell me the story. Who, who, who's got the the story, Tony High? Um, 
when when did when did this thing come together? How did it come together? And 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 what's what's behind the creation of the Herkus Circus? Well, I, I guess I'll go ahead. Yeah. Um, they, I think they a, a little girl in Grand Forks named the team. I don't know if it was somebody suggest it was a contest or not, but I think it was a young girl in Grand Forks just came up with the name. So. Um, and that was just our junior year. It wasn't something that had uh, come together before that. Right. Well, Tony, and, and one thing I will ask this, I know that there's been a few senators in the state of North Dakota that butchered your name. How many different ways has Tony Herkus's name been butchered over the years? Oh, a lot, a lot. The best one was that one time I was just as, uh, I think a peewee or a Bantam hockey player, and they, they just uh, spelled the name as I was entering the ice. So they didn't even try to pronounce it so well let's break this whole thing down 48 games you talk about uh, you know lines that uh, have made uh, been pretty prolific and to me you guys probably haven't added this whole thing up 148 games between the three of you 124 goals 151 assists for 275 points but one exclamation point i have in there 138 penalty minutes you guys let's go with tony on this one you guys weren't afraid to stick your nose in it either were you well, I think Bob got the ball rolling usually on that, fighting in the corners, pushing and shoving, and we we just came in the mop up, I guess. And uh, but yeah, it was it was a good team effort and good line, and we played any way you wanted to play us. We we played hard and uh, we got points. So Bob, you sorry, you got your direction down the University of North Dakota. You came from Notre Dame Academy. Who was the one who recruited you to make that trip down? And then when did you decide that UND was your destination? Well, I used to watch UND on, on uh, I think it was WDAZ back in the day, maybe, right? Yep. yep. Um, and, um, you know, with Dave Christian playing. And then, of course, I grew up next door to James Patrick. So he had gone there. And so, and then I used to work. So through James, I got to know Gino and Marksy, um, John Marks, Dean Blaze, uh, Birdie. And I come down to work hockey camp with Steve. And so I was kind of, that's where I was going to go. Um, it really wasn't a, a second choice at all. Okay, Tony Herkus, same same question for you. You're a Thunder Bay native. How did yep. you end up at Grand, in Grand Forks? Well, it was pretty much the same. We we get the Duluth channel, so we'd watch a lot of the Bulldogs games and watch the Badgers and and the Fighting Sioux play. And uh, a lot of my teachers, the Piros, uh, Brian DePiro was my teacher in in school. Uh, Dave Bragnello was our coach one year, so we had all these guys that played at North Dakota. Um, Ab Slavinsky was my football coach. He played both hockey and, and football in North, North Dakota. So a lot of, a lot of connections that way. And, um, just thought it was the best fit for me. And Steve, obviously a Grand Forks native, you grew up around the university of North Dakota hockey program, as you said, sneaking in the back door, but were there other opportunities for you to go elsewhere? Yeah, there was, <clears throat> I think, uh, I don't know if Gino wanted me or not. He, I think he wanted me once some of the other schools wanted me, but uh, it worked out good. But obviously in my backyard and uh, I'd watched all the guys, uh, you know, all your teams and stuff. And it was a, as a hometown kid, a pretty easy choice. So I had some other opportunities, but North Dakota was once they, uh, once they got involved, it was a pretty easy choice. The whole concept of a line has always been very interesting to me because right now I, I cover the National Hockey League. And of course, everybody's, talking about these guys have to be together and this has to be the line. And, and, and as, as Tony and Bob certainly know, uh, lines don't stay together for a long time in the NHL. Um, but you guys stayed together for a while. What makes that, what makes a line work? What's, what is it about three guys together 
that they get success. Bobby? Um, well, the truth be told, I think, Steve, maybe half the games we played together. Yeah, I think I, I played the first six games with you. Then I, Gina moved me to the middle and I played with a bunch of different guys after that. So I, we only played together, except well, we always played on the power play together. But yeah. we were actually only aligned for six games, I think, for six of the year. Yeah, Gino wanted to balance the attack, and, and Steve is, is a natural centerman, so it kind of made sense. But then we did get to um, play together on the power play. And, and I was thinking about this drive at home, and I never really thought of myself as a goal scorer, but had I had the opportunity to play with Steve the whole year and Tony, I mean, I think we all would have been 40, 50 goal scorers. Um, just, but can, we had to kind of balance the attack, and, and Steve centered the, another line as well. Yeah, these are the voices of, uh, well, the Herkus Circus. We'll talk about who that other guy that got plugged in with Steve. And when Steve went to play center, Tony Herkus, Bob Joyce, Steve Johnson, and Mike, with my partner in crime, uh, Scott Taylor, each and every week. This is Game on Hockey on the Mighty 790 KHO and 104.7 FM. Bob, one thing I can say, and many of you know this, uh, <laughs> there were a lot of goals left in that jersey because I wore the same jersey that you did. <laughs> so you know, last weekend, uh, uh, Tony, uh, you may not, you guys, if you didn't see the game, uh, Zach Driscoll, the goaltender for UND, there was an extra attacker opportunity. He took a shot down the ice. Everybody was cheering for Zach, the goalie at UND, to score a goal. I was not cheering for Zach Driscoll to score because I have to go through the rest of my life living down the fact that a goalie had more goals than I had when I played at UND. But that being said, uh, who, was the, who was the other alignment that got poked in there, obviously, when Steve was playing center somewhere else? Who else was filling in there? Well, we had a few guys at first. I think Mel Parks came in for a little bit, yeah. and then Perry Nakanichi kind of filled in a little bit. But the most it was Brent, Brent Bobick that came that played most games with us. I think that that year, um, the speedy winger, a little faster yeah. than both of us, so <laughs> we made him go chase the puck. Exactly, Robert, go get that puck. Yeah, <laughs> so. and he and he'd be willing to do it. So yeah. That's well, right. Tony, you had to be pretty fast because you played a number of years in the National Hockey League for a number of teams. Yeah. Um, very few players have moved around as often as you have. Um, tell us about your NHL experience. Well, yeah, uh, like I said, played a couple of years in St. Louis. They got traded around a few times up to Quebec. And uh, that was, it was nice playing in Quebec a little, just for the sake of playing with Guy Lafleur and uh, being his roommate for a bit. But it was, uh, uh, we weren't very good. We had won 12 games one year and I think 18 the next year. So, but moved around a little bit, went to Chicago, got to go to the finals with the Blackhawks in 92. And then, uh, been, stayed in the minors for about four or five years. And then got my chance back with Dallas and, uh, won a Stanley cup with them and, and then played a few more years in Anaheim and Atlanta. So yeah, moved around, but, uh, you know, fooled them for a while and stayed in the league. And, 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 but, and, and the whole history of that is 758 NHL games played, Tony, 132 goals, 239 assists, 371 total points, 173 total penalty minutes. We won't even get into where those came from. Any fights in there maybe in the, along the way? One, uh, one. one fight in one? there? Yeah, yeah. Really, a, good, a good one. A good one, too. You got to Google John. that. It was a one punch. Was who who was it against? Pierre Turgeon. Okay. You instigated one of the toughest guys in NHL history. Well, he started it. He started. It, I finished it. You got to see that fight. <laughs> so you know, quite often we forget about the guys you played with in the National Hockey League. Guy Lafleur, tell yeah. us some of the stories. With you know, 
They called him the flower, but uh, yeah. he there was nobody. And he played without a helmet, by the way, as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, he's the guy I grew up watching. Montreal Canadiens were my favorite team. And uh, with all the Stanley Cups in the 70s, and he's my favorite player. And I remember getting traded to Quebec and walking in the dress room. And he was sitting there and he just said, hey, Tony. And I was kind of like, I didn't know what to what to call him, Mr. LaFleur or, or what. So it was, uh, you know, great meeting him, first of all, and then then playing with him and then being his roommate for a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was, is like I said, your, your childhood idol and you get to play with. So not too many guys get yeah. to do that. Yeah, Craig Ludwig. I got to tell yeah. you a quick, Go ahead. A quick story. So the only time I was ever really starstruck, I got to play against Guy LaFleur when he made his comeback with New York and we started at Madison Square Garden. I want him to sign my stick, you know, same thing, grew up in the basement watching him play and hockey night in Canada. Well, I called Herc once on the road and um, I don't know how we connect back in those days without cell phones, but he's in his hotel room and all of a sudden he said, hang on a second. He goes, flower, turn the bleeping TV down. I was like, you can't talk to Guy Lafleur like that. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you're listening to Game on Hockey on the Mighty 790 KF Joe. Uh, each and every Thursday, we're talking to the Herkus Circus, Tony Herkus, uh, Bob Joyce, and Steve Johnson, along with my, my partner, uh, Scott Taylor. Why, uh, Craig Ludwig also tells a story of going out after practice uh, with Guy Lafleur to a local bar, and, and apparently Guy loved Dom Perignon. And I'm not sure what Dom went for at that point, but it was more than, than Craig was willing to spend. Um, he tells some pretty interesting stories. So I, we'll talk about that. There's a lot more stuff to talk about here, Scott. We're going to keep going. If you guys can hang on here, we're going to go for the rest of the show if we can do it. So we're going to take a quick break. It's the top of the hour. When you come back, a lot more fun conversation. Tony Herkus, Steve Johnson, Bob Joyce, Scott Taylor. I'm Travis Dunn. This is Game on Hockey, 790 KFGO and 104.7 FM. From the Nillis Law Firm studio and broadcasting on the mighty 790 KFJO and 104.7 FM, this is Game on Hockey. Scott Taylor, Travis Dunn with a whole host of great guests each week, and, and this guest list uh, pretty much tops it for me. Uh, this is indeed the Nillis Law Firm studio. Established in the early 1900s, the Nillis Law Firm provides legal services in more than 10 areas of practice, including business and corporate law, estate planning, wills and trusts, probate, commercial litigation, adoption services, as well as real estate. A division of Nillis Law Firm is Northern Title, which provides complete closing and escrow services along with insurance policies for all types of real estate transactions in North Dakota and Minnesota. Call Nillis Law Firm at 701-237-5544 or look them up on the World Wide Web at nillislaw.com. And one thing I have to do with this is that we have Steve Johnson, Tony Herkus, Bob Joyce is our guest along with Scott Taylor. I have to say, gentlemen, that I did talk to John Marks today. Uh, obviously finding out more information about the, the, the passing of Tootsie Gasparini and John Marks wanted to make sure to say to you three knuckleheads, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> or as he would say, Hey, how you doing? Steve Johnson, any good John Marks stories? Oh yeah. You got them. Probably not many that we can tell, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, quite, quite a character. We had a, you know, him and Dean blaze, obviously as their assistant coaches were quite the, uh, Quite the duel. So yeah. they uh, they they certainly uh, did a great job, and we're we're great at finding players. And certainly the recruiting and the scout the scouting side of it both they were as good as it gets, I think. And they certainly uh, enjoyed time with each other, and they enjoyed time with all our teammates, and uh, they were fun to have around. You got that right, Tony and and Bob. Uh, we'll we'll focus on you two for a second. Uh, not trying to exclude Steve, but the the Winter Olympics come along. You both had the opportunity to play in an Olympics in 1988 in Calgary, I believe. 
Nope. Nope. No, just Bob did. I never just, played in the Olympics. Oh, you never did. Okay. You, you nope. played I, for the Olympic team that one year, I, but never Well, was that? Yeah, it was just a national development team. Okay. Now, okay. Yeah. Well, then we'll heck with you. Get the heck out yeah. of the way. Let's let Bob Talk in. to Bob. Talk yeah. to Bob. The Olympics. So what, <laughs> what kind of an experience was the Olympics? And, and do you actually get a chance to watch it today? Yeah, I've been watching a little bit. You know, I think we're all disappointed. Both teams lost. Of course, uh, the Canadians happy that the women's team won but uh no it was really one of my most proudest uh moments mainly because my mom and dad got to be there uh you know we all know what our families do for us and and i don't even know that i appreciated at the time but uh the fact that it was in canada and they could be there labats you know the beer company flew every olympian's parents to calgary outfit them with all the winter clothes found them places to stay and so they got to be there for that and and um so it's kind of nice to, to think back again. We know we do the same thing for our kids, but to provided them that opportunity that was really a lot of fun and, and a great moment for our family. When you played for the Olympic team, you were a team for the year. Yes. Yeah, it was a Canadian national team program. You played about 50 games. Yeah. Yeah. We played, I think, 55 before the Olympics and only five at home. So it was it was a lot of work, a real grind. And and Herc knows playing for Kinger, you know, there's never a day off. Every game was an exhibition game. So, um, you know, we actually beat the Soviets twice before the Olympics. We kind of did it opposite of the 1980 U.S. team. And then we lost in the Olympics. But, um, yeah, it was a great experience, you know, and learning um, environment for me because most of the guys on my team had played pro at some level. And uh, there's a couple of guys that are junior as well. But I kind of got to see the pro grind and how those guys, um, you know, the work ethic and, and made a lot of good friends through that that experience. With you on that team, um, which was a team that prepped for the Olympics. Yeah. The NHL took it over a few years later. 98, I think, was the first NHL group. And then they've pulled back. Should Canada have a national team again? I think it's a great opportunity for some young players. But I think we also all like to see best on best at the Olympics. You know, that's some pretty good hockey. And and to see, um, you know, McDavid and these guys play against uh, Austin Matthews, I mean, that would be kind of fun too. But it'd be nice to have a national team. It's, it's a great um, development program for a lot of players. Um, but I do like to see the, um, the NHL players in, in, uh, in the Olympics. And we'll pass so you were in the development back. program, what was your experience? It was a great experience. Uh, you know, I was 19 at the time, and uh, we got to see the world, first of all, you know, Russia, Switzerland, all over Japan. So that was a great experience. Um, and then playing against top, we, you know, we played an exhibition season against the NHL teams. And then, you know, we played the Soviets all the time and the Czechs and Finns and all their top eight teams. So um, just learning experience, playing against the best, some of the best teams in the world uh, throughout the made me a better player. And then I went back to the North Dakota and that, that helped me a lot. So um but yeah, just, just playing against great players and, and traveling the world was, was a lot of fun. Tony, do you ever imagine that, that hockey would be such a big part of your life all the way through it? Now you're a scout in the National Hockey League. You're watching the best of the best on a nightly basis. Uh, tell us about that journey. Yeah, um, well, I, after I finished, I got into coaching a little bit, a Division three team. And then uh, Pat Verbeek uh, called me up one day and asked me if I wanted to scout. And I jumped at, uh, at the opportunity. and and uh been with Tampa now for seven years and having to win a couple Stanley Cups with them so 
You know, how a, how do you, when you're scouting, I mean, I, I've watched hockey games and I'd probably be a lousy scout. I look at a player and go, wow, he's really good. But you actually have to do a lot more deep dive than that, obviously. You watch tape and watch their tendencies and all the things they do and what they need to improve, et cetera. I mean, is, is how hard is scouting? Well, uh, again, you're watching, you watch them multiple times. That's how you get a book on a player. You know, you watch them once or twice. It's, it's hard to, to really know what the player is like, but you watch them eight, nine times during a, during the year, you, you start to know their tendencies. You know, if they have a bad game, eight of the 10 times you watch them, well, they're probably a bad player. Um, you know, so uh, it just, just repeating, you know, just watching them all the time and, and getting a book on them. That's basically it. Obviously if we're going to trade for a player or, or we're going to, um, sign a free agent, we go a little more depth, uh, into it. And, uh, you know, there's analytics now and, and everything, but you know, it's, it's all information for the general manager to make a decision. So do you deal mostly with the GM or the coach as a pro scout? Oh, uh, never with the coach. Okay. Just GM and our, our, uh, director of, uh, scouting, which would be our assistant GM. So more with him. And then, We'll get in depth if, if the GM wants to do something, he'll call. So your job isn't to actually tell the coaching staff about what a team is like when they're coming up to play against them. Well, no, we'll do that mostly in the playoffs. Um, if it's one of our teams, we'll go over a little bit. But now with all the video, the coaches know the teams very well. So they, you know, we might add a little bit. We'll go over the players, maybe their tendencies a little bit for the playoff run, but um no, we won't even we we don't interact with coaches at all. In the remaining two or three minutes we have here with these three guys, Steve Johnson, Tony Herkus, Bob Joyce, uh, you know, I'll let you guys uh, finish off with this. You've had great hockey experiences your whole life. You played at the University of North Dakota professionally, and so on. I'm going to start with Steve Johnson. What advice do you give parents today as far as the journey of a, of a hockey player uh, to sit back and enjoy it more than expect to get to the National Hockey League or at, to an upper level because it is doggone hard, Steve. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, the main thing, and I dealt with this a lot, obviously, in junior hockey, you don't deal with the parents at all. But when I was the director of youth hockey in Grand Forks, uh, the main thing is just if you can get kids to, you know, work hard and have fun, you know, keep it as simple as that, uh, you know, provide the opportunity for them. And the main thing, I think that's the main thing is, just, you know, developing a work ethic, having fun playing, you know, and then you know, in our area, like get out and play outside. The, the unstructured stuff is where you're going to develop as a player. And uh, doesn't matter how many, you know, how good your practices are or what tournaments you're playing. And if you're not a, if you're not a rink rat, an outdoor kid, uh, the kids that make it from here, those, those, that's the common denominator is the rink rats. Bobby Joyce, go ahead. You know, I tell you, I was in Las Vegas. Uh, my kids were little at the time, but I was, I had a, a beer with a former teammate named Ken Quinney. He stayed in Las Vegas and um, his, he became a paramedic and something I'd never thought about. He, he was doing some private hockey lessons with a kid that was 15 or 16. And the parent asked him, is it worth it? And every parent thinks their kid's getting a full ride and going pro. And he said to that parent, you know what? Um, during my day job, I go to the gang fights, the drug overdoses, the car accidents, all the trouble these kids get in. He said, you know where your kids are. They're with positive people doing positive things. He goes, yes, it's worth it. So that kind of never really left me when my kids got into uh, 
into their activities. In fact, I was just saying goodbye to my daughter. She's off to her dance class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Tony, your thoughts as a, as an as an NHL scout, your perspective. Yeah. Well, same thing. I mean, uh, it is hard to get that to this level to play. And again, when Steve said, you know, kids have fun and you develop with your, your skills away from the rink a lot of times too, and, and playing other sports, um, your work ethic will get you there. You keep climbing the next level, next level. And, and, uh, but you gotta have fun. If it's not fun, it's, it's like a, I guess a job that you don't like going to and, and, uh, you're not going to get any better at it. So yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy the, the, the ride and um, just keep getting better. Last thoughts. Herc, 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 Herc really developed a lot when I brought him into our fast pitch softball team. That's when he really, that's when his hockey career really took off. Stealing bases. Stealing bases. I stole a couple bases. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you know what? It's been a thrill having you guys on. I sincerely mean that, uh, you know, legendary stuff of legends. And you say the Hercus Circus. You guys, uh, your names always pop up. We really appreciate you joining us. Let's do this again somewhere down the line. It's a lot of fun talking uh, the game of hockey, the game we love so very, very much, and we sure appreciate Scott, and I sure do appreciate you guys joining us on a busy Thursday night. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yep. yep. Take, we welcome anytime, guys. See, we need to talk University of Minnesota Crooks and Hockey one of these weekends as well. Sounds good. All right. Hey, that's Game on Hockey. This has been Game on Hockey. We still got 15 more minutes to go. Those guys are exiting stage right. We're going to bring in Kyle Nixon from the Pilot Mountain Hockey Academy here in a few minutes. Uh, carry on that conversation with our friends at Pilot Mountain. Until then, we'll take a quick break from the Nillis Law Firm Studios on the Mighty 790 KFGO and 104.7 FM. This month, Dakota Magic Casino wants you to fall in love with cash. The month of February could give you 10,000 reasons to love Dakota Magic Casino. Come and play all month long and earn entries into a drawing on Saturday, February 26th where every hour from 1 to 9 p.m. you could win $1,000 in cash, free slot play, or get qualified to win $10,000 in cash. Fall in love with $10,000 this month at Dakota Magic Casino, entity of the Dakota Nation Gaming Enterprise. CNH Industrial is hosting an organized job fair February 16th and 17th in Fargo from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. The first 100 applicants receive an interview guaranteed. Apply now at cnhindustrial.com and select careers. And CNH Industrial will schedule your interview. Welcome to the Northern Corn and Soybean Expo from your friends at Satram Hyam Seed. Proudly serving the area since 1978. Contact them for sales and service, treating and custom cleaning too. Visit them online at satramhyamseed.com. Smith Motors in Wapaton has great vehicle options to meet every budget and purpose. Don't love your ride? Well, come get one you can. Get a 2012 Mazda CX-9 7-passenger for $11,990 or a 2014 Jeep Wrangler 4x4 for $28,990. Head on that winter adventure in a 2021 Chevy K3500 4x4 for $74,990. Hurry into Smith Motors in Wapaton. Small town friendly, big town deals. Or visit them online at smithmotors.com. Hi, I'm Kevin Wolf, president of Laney's. Do you have a kitchen or bath sink that drains really slow? Or maybe you're experiencing some sewer backup. If so, you need to consider Laney's for all of your sewer needs. 
Our technicians are courteous, clean, and professional, and you can trust that they will get it done right the first time. So for peace of mind, call us today at 237-0543 or visit us on the web at laneysinc.com. Do you suffer from leg cramps, achiness, or restless legs? At Physicians Vein Clinics, they treat vein disease with medical lasers that offer little to no downtime. The difference, I feel, is truly remarkable. Spending the day on my feet now, not a problem, thanks to Dr. Hansen at Physician Vein Clinics. Physicians Vein Clinics accepts Medicare and other major insurances. For healthy legs that make you feel like new, call 888-PVC-VEIN to schedule your free screening at one of their 10 convenient locations. Or visit them at physiciansveinclinics.com. Diner's Diner, homestyle cooking just the way you like it. With 77 entrees under 11 bucks, and Diner's loyal customers have voted them in the top two for best West Fargo restaurant and best breakfast. When you need a hot, delicious meal just like mom used to make, make it Diner's Diner. Open for dine-in Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. and Saturday, 7 to 1. Diner's Diner, 405 West Main, West Fargo. Head over today and get yourself one of the best meals in West Fargo. KFGO Fargo. From the Nillis Law Firm Studio, broadcasting on the Mighty 790 KFGO and 104.7 FM, we are under a blizzard warning from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Friday. And I anticipate that, I mean, in fact, I know it is from Winnipeg all the way down the, probably down the Sioux Falls. Is when, is, if, Scott, if you want to send me a note, Open the door of your house, throw it up in the air, and I'll grab it on the way past. Oh, and that, it's inevitable. <laughs> it's um, inevitable, is right. <laughs> the only problem is, is the wind has been so hard. Yeah. I suspect it would be in Thunder Bay before it would get to you. Yeah, a little bit of a circuitous route. And uh, yeah, you're right. absolutely right. Oh. Yeah, no doubt. But hey, talk about a circuitous route. Did you watch the little hockey game last night? 3 2 win? I did. I watched all of it. That's why I'm dead tired today. Yep. Um, it's been a challenge watching the Olympics. I have to admit, with the time changes, it's been it's it's been a been a challenge. I did watch some curling, but of course that's that's delayed as well. Um, I enjoyed. I, I actually had no complaint about most of the times the games are on. Ten o'clock at night is a good time coming back from the Jets game. Last night the Jets game ended about nine, so I was back in time to watch all of the women's game. Um, the other thing is the seven o'clock in the morning games are wonderful for me because I'm usually up at six thirty, quarter to seven. So I've enjoyed those 7 a.m. games. So I've, I've really had no complaints about the time for the hockey schedule. I thought the hockey schedule, both men and women, was set up nicely. Um, that American team should have beaten Canada, um, should have beaten them twice and lost twice. Um, I have not seen a team that skates that well, is, is that big, is that strong in the corners, um, handles the puck really, really well but can't score because they just do the wrong things all the time. They pass when they should shoot and they shoot when they should pass. And they had what, 40 shots last night? Yeah, an awful lot of shots. Absolutely. 40 shots. And most of them were right on the maple leaf. Yep. Yeah. They just, they blasted right at them. That maple leaf on Debian's Jersey took a beating. (laughs) It sure did. They just shot it right at her. Yeah. And, and then, and then when they'd have a wide open net, they pass the puck. Oh. I just, I, I, I wonder if, if, if there's something to do with hockey IQ. Well, and one because thing I guess to say, should, should have yeah. won both games against Canada. They well, had more one, chance to yeah. score. Yep. They were bigger, faster, stronger. 
should have won and lost twice. Well, you know what? And, and we talk about the changing face of the game of hockey. And, of course, uh, you know, we know that it probably would have been a different outcome if, if Monique and Jocelyn had been playing and they had an injury, of course, to one of their key players. So those mm-hmm. things do do happen. And, you know, had they been there, and I'm sure they wish they could have been there last night uh, rather than watching from Grand Forks, I anticipate. But you look at the changing face of hockey. The leading scorer in Beijing, Sarah Nurse, is a, is biracial. Jocelyn Arak and Jamie Lee Rattray are indigenous. Uh, five other women on the 23-player gold medal roster were LGBT. Talk about the changing face of the game of hockey and the ability for everyone to participate. Pretty impressive. Well, I, yeah, I think it's great that everybody's getting to participate. And, and the first time ever, there was a First Nations woman playing for the United States. That's right. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, and, and, and a real nice hockey player. Um, Canada's had uh, a, a number now recently of of indigenous women um jocelyn larock i think is the best defenseman in women's hockey period i um she played 22 minutes a night in the three medal round games and and like never came off and she is no bigger than i mean she's like a pixie out there but five foot five um owns two gyms in toronto that's really interesting. She's yeah. always, you'll always find a picture of Jocelyn LaRock in the gym. Yeah, well, um, yeah. People yeah. are getting the opportunity to play. That's great. Yep. But there should be more. Yep. Sarah Nurse is the first black player to win a gold medal in Olympic hockey. Pretty amazing. Um, we had the speed skater, the first black speed skater ever to win a gold medal. Yep. Um, it's, uh, we're a long way away in winter sports from being truly diverse. Yeah. And I, th- I still think there's a lot of work left to be done. Well, we're up at 626.50, so we have a short period of time to talk to Kyle Nixon. We open the door and let Kyle in, a U15 coach at Pilot Mount Hockey Academy north of the border, uh, our sponsored segment. And, and, Kyle, we talk about the season. You know, talk about the end of the season. You know, we're now looking uh, what mid-February. When do things start to wind down in your regular season? Yeah, we're looking forward to um, our league does for every uh, age group in the CSSHL. There's a final tournament in Penticton, BC. So uh, that's in the middle of March. We have one more showcase left in Saskatchewan. We have a few more league games to get through, but we've started to plan the bus trip and make make uh, arrangements for our year-end tournament, which is pretty crazy to think about. The, the winter's gone pretty quick. The winter has gone quick, but it's not nice. And it's got to be tough for you in a small town with the kids all together and now you're playing against some of the top teams in the, in the league. Uh, it's got to be tough to keep the morale up out there. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say we're in the dog days for whatever that means for U15 hockey. It's been, it's been weird at school. Kids have gone through COVID. We had remote learning. Uh, when you're in a rural community, there's snow days where, where the building is legitimately closed because you can't get out of your house. So we're pretty fortunate where all of our kids are, are in the town so we can still practice and use the rink when the school is closed. So that that's been massive for us. At least we've been able to stay on the ice, but uh, it's been a, it's been a harsh winter and, and that's saying a lot for somebody that lives through Manitoba winters consistently. <laughs> <laughs> or, or North Dakota, Minnesota winters, I guess uh, anywhere in the upper Midwest, you know, the snow line is just what 50 miles or 60 miles South of Fargo, believe it or not, but it's been, it's been howling. We, we talk about, you know, obviously the regular season, had it been quote unquote, a regular non COVID year, how many trips to the States would your team have made? Well, we even all the way back to our 
sort of preseason, uh, we had a trip planned to Minneapolis in September that we were just kind of playing the wait and see game. And that obviously didn't work out. I was in contact pretty consistently with some teams from North Dakota to try and set something up, but, but those things obviously weren't able to happen. And, and now after spring break, we are going to have a bit of a spring season. Uh, so we're hoping to get to Minnesota for a tournament in April, but I mean, I still kind of see it when I believe it type of thing, but it does look promising. So hopefully we can make it down there. So it, it would be nice to get to, to south of the border to play some teams that you don't see very often and, and to face styles of play and give your players some different experiences. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, the level of play in the hockey would probably be similar, but just seeing some new faces, some new jerseys to line up against, getting into some different rinks. Uh, the bus trip will obviously be a lot different if we're able to do that. So kids at this age, when you can offer the new experiences of playing in some different facilities and against some different teams, I just think makes it a lot more worthwhile for them. Kyle, if you're looking, if someone's looking for someplace to go, how do they find you? Uh, I mean, it's pretty easy if you just Google, if you Google the CSSHL, you can find everything about our league. The website's awesome. And then specifically for uh, the Pylon Hockey Academy, we're all over social media and uh, you can track our emails down and our website does a good job of promoting some of the things that we're doing. Uh, Instagram gives live updates of games that were scheduled and then the results. So it's, uh, it's very available. Awesome. Hey, appreciate you jumping on board. Enjoy the beautiful wind that blows through. If you want to send a note down to me, like I said, throw it out the window. It'll hit down to Fargo here in a very short period of time. Thanks, Kyle, for joining us. We sure appreciate it. All right. Take care, fellas. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. Well, Scott, we had a fun, fun Herkus Circus visit. Steve Johnson, uh, Bobby Joyce, who you obviously go back a long way with. Uh, boy, what a great show, in my humble, in my humble opinion. It was, it was great to see Bobby again. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a long, long time, and he doesn't live that far from my daughter in Orlando. So it was it was really nice to have a chat. You got to stop him. Tony Herkus was one of my favorite NHL players of all time. You know what? We get to do this each and every week. Next Friday, we're moving to a pregame show for UND hockey, so we're hoping to have some great. We know we'll have great guests in, but you know what? Enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe out there. Blizzard watch tomorrow from Winnipeg to who knows where, but be safe and uh, make sure to tune in and stay tuned for basketball to follow for Polly Lines. For my partner, Scott Taylor, listen to Game on Hockey on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 FM from the Nellis Law Firm Studios. Good night. Good night.